Before this episode, I want to take a moment to thank Sean Connery for every single amazing role he brought to the wonderful world of cinema. Your elegance and charm will forever be remembered. Rest in peace, Agent 007. Welcome to Once Upon a Time in Nibor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Once Upon a Time in Nibor by the Two Film Dudes. I'm Gustavs. And I'm Ali. And every two weeks, me and Gustav, we're going to pick a movie and we dissect it, analyze it, and rip and tear it apart completely. And for each movie, we come up with a bunch of different topics and discussions. And then at the end of the episode, we rate the movie from a scale of 1 to 35 in honor of the 35mm theme stock. We are two students based in Nubor, Denmark, and we named this podcast in honor of Quentin Tarantino's latest movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Both of us are absolute cinephiles, and we just love movies in general, and we're happy to have you here listening listening to both of us rant about movies. So... And this week's movie is none other than the gangster movie that made gangsters cool. We have 1990s Goodfellas, directed by Martin Scorsese. This movie is an absolute masterpiece. It has a great lineup that has Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, and Joe Pesci that that are main characters in it. And it's an absolute masterpiece. So, Gustav, to start off... When did you first see this movie and what were your first thoughts of it? I think I first saw the movie like two years ago, maybe two and a half years ago, something like that. Not not too early, not too late. I was uh, I remember that I was just going through Scorsese uh, through all of his movies. And uh, well, I just th- this was one of them. And uh, yeah, no, but I liked it off the uh, off the top because I'm I'm hugely into crime. I crime is my favorite genre. Uh, uh, it's uh, by far, I love gangster movies. I love heist movies, anything that has to do with breaking the law, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the type of movies that I like. And, uh, gangster movies have always, always been up there for me. So, um, yeah, I loved it off the bat. And then after what, rewatching it today for the second time, I loved it just as much noticed a few cool detail details that I maybe missed on the first watch but nonetheless uh again I loved it just as much if not more now that I have even more respect for Scorsese what about you well uh kind of the same with Fight Club I saw this movie a bit too early (laughs) I saw this at the age of 11 yeah it was it's pretty early. Yeah, I, I I really love crime as well with you. I used to watch all these like old crime shows and old crime movies. I saw The Godfather and uh, Goodfellas with my dad. And you know, I we I love this movie so much. Like at first, you know, I I always kind I kind of had the same and you know, I had this I had like Rayleigh, I had a Henry Hills kind of feeling. You know, I always wanted to be a gangster, you know, guys in suits walking around getting girls, money, power. You know, and I just love this movie from the start. And, you know, I I wasn't a big cinema buff back then, but I still loved how the movie was shot and the, you know, and everything about it. And it was just it was one of the movies that probably got me into, you know, being a like movie buff, you know, I'd say. And I really, really love this. I mean, yeah, this movie has aged, I think, wonderfully. It's uh, it has many great quotes in it. And I think it is remembered 
uh, next to Godfather up there just as the maybe not the same thing really because Godfather has this you know very uh, filmic quality to it and this is more Goodfellas is more rough but in a way but still right up there quality wise I think just as respected and uh, yeah I mean everybody when you're thinking of gangster movies Goodfellas comes right after Godfather for me it's um you know Scorsese has really uh, established himself in the gangster movie world you know starting off slowly with the uh, mean streets starring Harvey Keitel that was maybe not that successful, but still, you know, movie about Little Italy. And um, Scorsese, of course, himself growing up in Little Italy, being heavily influenced by all of these things. And you can really feel it that he has a passion for these things. And then, of course, now, pre, uh, just last year, The Irishman, uh, which is, you know, Irishman to me was just, you know, old fellas. <laughs> really it's like it's <laughs> pretty uh, much yeah it's it was still i also i some people complained it was too long i mean gangster movies they're always long because there's just so much to unpack and uh you know i'm always gonna love these movies it's uh as just as you said you know i've always also really just dug the the gangster life it's always it's always it's always felt like so so nice and even even though it's filled with all these bad things and you know these guys they're like pretty pretty horrible people but nonetheless it does has this have this sort of weird romantic feeling to it and people do romanticize the gangster lifestyle which is i mean it's a good thing or a bad thing it's up to, for you to decide but um yeah nonetheless gangster movies and um scorsese in the gangster movie community it's it just fits together it does it does really does this is i have to say this this and godfather probably like it gave us the definitions for gangsters, you know, because now whenever you say gangster, you think New York Italian, you think rough, you say, hey, Vito, yeah, come yeah. on, the you know, <laughs> <laughs> you really do, though. You're right. Yeah. You're completely right. These movies really did like it's such a movies are such a great medium for expressing things like do you remember in elementary school? They said uh, show don't tell. You know, with movies, you have a medium where you show and tell, and Scorsese does it beautifully through freeze frames, dialogues, like crime movies in general, like even if they're just dialogues, they're still so amazingly done, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, but you're right. It's just per like... Like the I like like I'm not gonna go too deep into this, but the Irishman, a majority of it, it just is just old guys speaking, and still it's such a great movie because you feel tension, suspense, you're getting a feel for the plot, the characters. Like one of the favorite scenes I love in this movie, like absolutely love, uh, is has to be the scene in the beginning where Tommy and uh, the other guys are getting uh, uh, dinner, right? And uh, t uh, Tommy's telling a funny story, and then Henry's like, <laughs> you're funny. And then Tommy just goes berserk, like, I'm funny to you. I'm a clown. Do I amuse you? Like, you feel tension. You're, like, scared. <laughs> no, no. The, the funny part is, the funny part is, this is actually a story from, uh, that's just a story from Joe Pesci's life. And this happened to him while he was working in a restaurant <laughs> or something. And the whole thing was, uh, he told the story to Scorsese, and Scorsese was like, yeah. We're doing this, but he didn't put in a script, so the whole thing was improvised. And that's Ray Liotta's uh, genuine, genuine response to that. Like Joe Pesci just literally pranked the shit out of Ray Liotta, <laughs> and uh, it came out as this really memorable scene. You know, it worked perfectly. Such an I have to agree with you. It's an amazing scene. 
it is. And you like, in those two minutes, you get a sense, you know, you get kind of like, well, obviously the intro, like I'm going to talk about that later, but the intro sets up the tone. But this, this scene sort of sets up the vibe of how the movie's going to go, you know, murder, violence, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, respect kind of. No, no, you know, you, you are right. It, it, like the whole, the whole thing with gangsters and the sort of Italian lifestyle is just that, you know, it's family. It's all about family. It's all about it's all about respect, and you know, as as you know, in gangster movies, the worst thing you can do is be a rat. And um, I mean, ironically, that's what the movie is about. You know, it's about I mean, Henry in the end is the rat, and um, uh, nonetheless, though, it it does has the it does have these values just like any other gangster movie. Yet it's still unique, it's still real because well, it is real, <laughs> and uh, I mean, up to some extent. And uh, it just, yeah, it, it's so unique. And that's what I kind of always get fascinated by, by gangster movies, that how they're always so different. Like, I never get bored. The story the story kind of repeats itself all yeah. the time, but doesn't at the same time. It's weird. I love it, though. You know, I will always love gangster movies. And, uh, yeah, Goodfellas is just, you know, just a good, good movie. And I'll, I'm going to talk about the intro scene now, but I just want to quickly re reply to that. You watch so many gangster movies and crime things like, you know, it, it, they get repetitive. But for some reason, they're never boring. They each bring new uh, situations, new dialogue, new tension, new settings. And that changes everything completely. And, you know, you can never like there are probably some bad crime movies out there. But in the genre, I'd have to say crime probably does movies the best, in my opinion. No, no. Overall, I think I have to agree with you because like it's just crime movies just do it well because there's always such interesting character arcs. There's always just interesting characters by themselves. There's always these really interesting relationships and, you know, all this backstabbing just randomly characters dying all over the place and it's just it's unpredictable the tension as you say the tension in crime movies is unbeatable it's sometimes you know there's i i would say that in crime movies there's often much more tension than in horror movies just how the way they're set up and uh yeah yeah but no i do agree with everything you said all right now i want to get into the opening scene of this movie because Holy hell, when I when I first watched this, because I rewatched it about like last week or so, and I I forgot that this opening scene it, it started out with uh, it started out just normal, you know? It's just a trunk shot, three dudes driving in a car. You get such a normal vibe, you know? You're just relaxing there with them. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, did we run over something? They stop, they pull it out, it's just a bloody man in a trunk. It, it's such a quick 180. And then, of course, Joe Pesci, you know, Tommy just goes ham on him because as as he as as we later learn that he just does in the movie because that's just Tommy for us. And in general, Joe Pesci, I mean, holy shit, the character he brings to this movie, the charisma. I'm I don't want to say I'm sad. It's just, you know, so many people know Joe Pesci only as the uh, the villain from Home Alone, yeah. you know, but as uh, what, what's his name, Marv? Marv, or that was the other. Yeah, I, I think it's Marv. It is Marv. It's just, I mean, I don't want to say it's sad. I mean, he's also great in Home Alone, and Home Alone is a classic. Home Alone is not a bad. It's an awesome movie, but uh, there's just so much more to Joe Pesci than just Marv, and uh, you know, he's all in, you know, like uh, Goodfellas and then The Irishman and Casino, and um, 
Yeah, Joe Pesci's all there in the, this movie. I mean, he got the Oscar for this movie, and he's so deserving. His character is just always so unpredictable. He goes around all the time just killing people, shooting the spider kid, and, uh, well, shooting everybody he possibly can. Honestly. It's it's insane. Yeah. What, what One of the best Joe Pesci scenes I love, this one line that he gets is just, oh, after he kills, like, Billy Bats, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't want to get blood on your floor. What? what? Blood on the floor? Like, yeah, that's that's what he that that's what he's worried about. And the funny, yeah, it, the funny part is the the character Joe Pesci plays the Tommy guy in real life. He was like six foot six foot tall or something, and uh, he was yeah, and he he was like super young. He like got I think he disappeared when he was like thirty, if I remember correctly. So he was actually much much younger than uh, Henry Hill. But still, no, but the way they put him, he's sort of this comic guy. And it's sort of, it, it, I mean, there is this feeling that he's there as sort of this Joker guy. But still, he, he brings so much to the table. And yeah, as I said, he's unpredictable. And you yeah. never know when he's going to just, you know, bust somebody full of uh, bullets. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it's amazing. Oof. All right. We're going to have to talk about this because we're going to eventually talk about it. The Copacabana scene. We got to talk about it. Uh, so, I mean, what is there to talk about? It's all right. It's all right there. It's all, all in the movie. It, it, the scene, the scene explains itself. Exactly. But the, the, the shots, the whole three minute continuous tracking shot is cinematic masterpiece. Oh, my God. When you first saw it, what did you think? No, I mean, I was... I was, I'm not going to lie, I wasn't really focused on the whole uh, continuous shot scene. I mean, it's there in Pulp Fiction and uh, it's there in other movies. I was just, but it fits perfectly here. I just like the feeling that it gives. I just like how he's walking around uh, meeting everybody and how he knows everyone and how the table is brought out specific, uh, spe specifically for him. That's what I love about the scene because... It just feels like the continuous, what the continuous shot gives you is just the flow and how how smoothly his life is going. And that's what I love about the scene. Sure, you know, continuous shots will always be super cool and it's it's really hard to miss them. You always notice when they're happening. But I just don't think that that's what, you know, that's what we should focus on. And uh, I mean, I'm kind of, you know, 1917 was really interesting with what it did. But I, I personally d wouldn't want cinematographers to get carried away and actually like making it a whole genre. Like I think 1917 is just a standalone movie and it, it was done and it was done awesomely. I just hope it doesn't start happening too much because the continuous shot is there for a reason. It's there. It should, it should be used like once in a movie, in my opinion. This is all my opinion. I think it should be used once in a movie like here in Goodfellas, like there, like there in Pulp Fiction in the Jack Rabbit Slim scene. Uh, it's there for a reason and um, it's just, because when you use it like that, you easily know, you instantly notice it and it feels so cool and so smooth, as you said, it just feels awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm a sucker for cinematography. I always notice how a movie looks and how a shot is framed and things like that. Uh, some people like focusing on characters, dialogues. I'm a cinema, I'm like a, like a visual buff. I love that. Like when I first saw it, because you know, I was used to like seeing like cuts and stuff like that. And I just saw this one continuous shot and I was amazed. And you know, I heard like stories about it and I heard like it took him like three days to film this one three minute take. And 
things like that. And what I love about this scene is kind of like that shot is what it represents, you know, like the audience kind of feels a bit overwhelmed, you know, kind of going through this mess behind the thing. And I kind of feel like I felt at first that kind of reflected what Karen was feeling at first, you know, like she's going out with this guy on her first date and he knows everyone and she's feeling overwhelmed by all these people that know him and things that are happening in this crowded thing and she's confused as to why, you know. I, I feel I, I feel shots have like, you know, a big importance on this and I love a continuous shot and I have to agree with you, you know, uh, cinematographers shouldn't put like more than like one continuous shot in because, you know, it's something like truly special, you know, it has to be used at the right moment. But I don't know, man, I just really love the shot. Like when I first rewatched it, I kept thinking about it for like, I couldn't sleep. Like, I don't know why, but I was just replaying it in my head. No, no, it is. I mean, these scenes, they take up so much work and, uh, they're just great. And uh, I mean, yeah, I get what you mean about the visual thing. I mean, I do it all. I, I like to guess uh, which millimeter lens a shot was sh uh, shot on uh, because, you know, I'm just dumb like that. But uh, no, but I, I and I get what you mean. It is these scenes. These are the ones that always like stick in your head. And I think to a many to many people when talking about Goodfellas and the most memorable scene, they will say that scene just because, you know, I mean, it's there for a reason, and I think Scorsese was very aware of this, and it was a really conscious decision. But, I mean, yeah, it's a great scene. I love it. I love it so much. It's, um, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's really up there in, uh, the, in the most memorable scenes in cinema, I think. Yeah. I want to, I kind of, I, I think we should now talk about Ray Liot, like Henry Hill's kind of, uh, you know, progression throughout the story and, like, the seduction of the mob life, because... I feel like, you know, with the soundtrack and the way the movie is filmed and a lot of different things throughout the movie, it shows how Henry at first gets seducted into this lifestyle, this gangster lifestyle, you know? And then halfway through, he becomes, he, he comes turned off to it, you know? Like the, you know, when, when, you know, I'm pretty sure it was that one scene, you know, when Billy, uh, when Billy gets killed, right? You see, like, you know, like normally like Tommy's laughing, you like Henry's laughing, right? When violence is occurring, right? Like when Tommy smashes the bottle over, Henry's laughing hysterically. Or when Jimmy is beating up some guy for protection money, Tommy's laughing, you know, because he loves this lifestyle. But when, but when Tommy just kills Billy because of one snide remark, you know, Henry's immediately like, he stops laughing. He's no longer into it, you know? Then we see him go through, like, the drugs, the prison, and he's just turned off from the whole lifestyle for a long time. No, no, for, for sure. And the thing is, though, he's way too far to go back at any point then. But, like, he does get seducted, yeah, and he goes so, so deep, you know? There's just no going back, and he gets, you know, he can't live without the big money anymore. He can't live without the suits and the respect and all that and the power he can't live without all that and then you know he gets into the drugs and then he gets seducted not just by the gangster lifestyle but also by the drugs and that's just how his whole life goes downhill up to the you know up to the very end where it's just rock bottom even though it's you know doesn't seem to be that bad uh it's it's still for him in his mind that's prison like the only time in his mind when he's in prison is only in the end when he's living the, living in the witness protection program and um it is, it is sort of the downfall. It's, you know, the rise and the fall as it always is with these type of characters. He gets, he does get overwhelmed at one point, but he enjoys it. And, 
well, yeah, up until the point where he just doesn't enjoy it anymore. Yeah, and I feel like that seduction to money, power, recognition, that helps us kind of empathize with Henry a little bit, you know, like... Just, yeah, yeah, I, I, I get what you mean, yeah. Yeah, like crime movies, you're not supposed to empathize with these murderers and traffickers and gangsters and stuff like that. Tra okay, traffickers is a bit on the offside. N ignore that. <laughs> but you're not supposed to, like, you know, empathize with these criminals, you know, because they break the law. We've been taught breaking the law is bad. But crime movies, they show us, you know, how complicated these people's lives are, how complicated they are, you know? It's not black and white, it's gray. The whole world is gray. What they see is gray, you know? You empathize with Henry because all he wants is money and recognition. And all of us have wanted money, power, recognition, all these things, you know? Human greed, selfishness. These things are, are common themes within all of us to some extent. And, you know, that's what really this movie, you know, does quite well. You empathize with Henry. And then when he, as you said, when he goes to, like, metaphorical prison in the end, living in Tampa, Florida, and his uh, normal life house, his his life is over. He's he's accomplished nothing. He's still living the same boring life he did when he was a kid. No, no, yeah, he's in the end, he's the people who he talks about at the start of the movie, which, you know, just go to their jobs and save their money and whatever and bums and schnocks or whatever uh, you you call them but yeah and the thing is i agree with you with the empathy thing because in movies you're sup i mean characters are always going to be interesting and movies will always movies are about characters and uh these i mean here yeah you do sympathize with henry a bit even though he's i mean he's a pretty horrible person and he's a gangster but i mean you still Unless you're a completely heartless person, you still sort of sort of empathize with him in the way that you see how actually how much suffering he's going through. And um, and, and he really does go through a lot of suffering. And he and the worst part is, at least to me, the worst part in gangster movies is always the wives. You know, it's just because they're always treated like shit. And I just sometimes it's so hard for me to watch gangster movies because of like how these guys treat how these guys treat their wives it's it's just yeah i mean it's horrible and then you know all of and his kids have to suffer with him it's 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 actually i mean these movies they get i mean it's pretty sad actually in the end because it never ends well never like it usually sometimes even getting a bullet in your head is better than uh, i don't know many other different things that can happen to you mm. you know yeah yeah, uh, I kind of live by the, I don't want to say live by the philosophy, but I believe in the philosophy, give me freedom or give me death. I would hate, like, I feel like Henry Hill kind of adopts that same philosophy, you know, he doesn't want to be, he wants to be free. He doesn't want to be alive and imprisoned. He wants to be, he'd rather be dead and free. You know, he hates living normal life. He wants to live a life of power, money, recognition. It. it that's that's where I kind of agree with you. Yeah, no, you're completely right. Exactly, and that's the thing. Sometimes I think yeah, they are quite for, sad movies, to be honest. They yeah. are, and for gangsters, I think yeah, I think it's uh, as you said, it's death or freedom. But you touched on you touched on the soundtrack earlier, and I want to talk about that because I'm you know as always I'm I'm always I'm just I'm a sucker for the soundtrack just as much as I'm a sucker for the visuals and for the camera work. And this movie goes it goes through such a wide spectrum. It goes. Uh, as we talked before that we started the recording, it goes from beyond the sea 
and you know like uh, Dean Martin and uh, kind of these Frank Sinatra songs I don't know if there's if there's actually any Frank Sinatra songs but you know you get the vibe up until where at one point we go to Rolling Stones and uh, you know Gimme Shelter it's uh, Gimme Shelter is my all-time favorite rock song by the way and uh, then we have like Eric Clapton in uh, both you know with Layla and Cream and it's just a psychedelic rock all of a sudden and it's just such a wide spectrum it goes all over the place such an awesome soundtrack i think these <laughs> scorsese i don't know it if is it's amazing if it's him alone but uh they have picked an amazing playlist for this movie i i was singing along i was enjoying it it's uh it really really helps the movie's flow and uh just the whole style of it you know because gangster movies are so stylish they have such charm to them they have romance to them uh, you know, because these guys are cool. They're 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 supposed to be the coolest. The only the only guys who are supposed to be cooler than gangsters are secret agents, and you know that's a completely different story. <laughs> but but yeah. but yeah, these guys are cool and they're stylish with their suits and their power and how they're untouchable. And the music in this movie gives exactly all that and how it you know when they start doing the cocaine, Rolling Stones start playing and this sort of dis. How you see how destructive it is the 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 cocaine. How the movie completely switch, switches from this super stylish and calm um, and charming Frank Sinatra vibe to the brutal Mick Jagger style. It 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 goes along every step of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Soundtracks play a huge part in movies. Like they can be either very subtle or very like you know. They like uh, direct, you know. With this movie, it's a bit more direct because you know, as you said, like it goes from this nice jazz kind of romantic type of songs to this rock, you know, sixties, seventies rock that just you know is like destruct, not, not destructive, but like aggressive, and it it just shows kind of like the downfall of Henry because you know once he starts taking you know drugs and he leaves prison and he's dealing, you know, he just. He just keeps, he just keeps like, you know, it, it keep, the songs keep getting like louder, more aggressive, more this, more that. And, you know, you get like, you know, with like the Coca, 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 Coca Cabana scene, you get this long, uh, which song was it? The, um, I'm not going to remember right now. <laughs> well, anyway, I remember it was a long song uh, played out, right? And you got like the whole like two, two, three minutes of the song and you just relax with it. And then you get like scenes when he's in the car, right? And you get like uh, Monkey Man by the Rolling Stones, right? Uh, and he's just driving and driving and driving and you only get like 10, 20 seconds of it. It's pure hectic and frantic. It, it really does like emphasize what like Henry's going through, how the story is taking place. It, it they it does an amazing job. They did pick an amazing soundtrack. It's uh, by the way, it's uh, then he but, kissed me by the crystals. <laughs> right, damn. No, but yeah, and as you said, it is a direct soundtrack for this movie. It is quite direct, but it fits so perfectly, at least for me, that it just sort of uh, it just transitions, it just dissolves in the movie perfectly. That sometimes you don't hear it consciously, but it's just there. And it still plays a huge part because it just fits so well all the time in the movie. I think, I think, yeah, the soundtrack was a huge, huge hit, and um, they really got it right this time. They did, they did. I, uh, you know, all right. Ooh, now I recently read an article that I kind of want to talk to you about. It's about Goodfellas. Now, um, 
I personally disagree with this article, but I thought it would be an interesting thing to kind of talk about. This article was written five years ago, and the uh, the title is called "Women Are Not Capable of Understanding Goodfellas." <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's the big quote is "Goodfellas is is the ultimate male fantasy film," according to critic. The thing is, the thing is, the thing with gangster movies is, I I definitely don't agree, but. Uh... I mean, I, I see where they're coming from, why they're saying this, but that's a, it just feels like a very narrow-minded look on the movie because, of course, it is a male, quote-unquote, male fantasy movie, but it's still a movie about characters going through internal development, going through suffering, going through uh, uh, ups and downs. And I think, I mean, I've, I the first time I watched this movie was uh, with my dad and my mom, and I don't think my mom didn't understand it. I think she understood it very well. I think, you know, I think that it's even the other way around. I think maybe they don't understand the male fantasy part of it, but that's just not the only thing there is to this movie. I think women can maybe even watch this movie with a completely different perspective, a more interesting uh, perspective and a completely new one. And I would love to talk <laughs> to somebody about it because I think I think it's interesting to give a you know a completely different perspective on this movie. Yeah, I kind of wanted to give a more general tone of this when you know they say you know uh, this is for men to watch. You know, it is the ultimate male fantasy. It appeals to what men want. This you know clearly crime movies are meant to depict the worst of the worst of people. You know, <laughs> murderers, gangsters, money launderers. These types of people, scumbags, essentially. And you know, men don't watch it because we like degrading women we don't watch it because you know like that we watch it because it's a movie it, it, regardless of race gender creed or whatever you you can enjoy a good movie that's what makes movies wonderful everyone can enjoy them you don't have to yeah, yeah that's that's exactly that's just it's just a weird thing to say and uh, i mean i and again i sort of get it why they would say that but uh I just don't agree, and I think that's just really a really narrow look at it. Because yeah, this movie it's it's just an overall great movie. It's, I mean, if you even disregard the whole gangster thing, as I said before, it's it's about you know these characters, and it's about it's about a really interesting story from real life. It's um, these things happen in real life, and uh, I mean Scorsese is always doing these biopics because that's just Scorsese's thing. Um, and uh, he does them so well because he brings he brings these cinematic cinematic qualities to these biopics. You know, he takes these real world stories and he makes them into cinema. And uh, I hate being a sort of a film geek about this, but in using the cinema in a really pretentious way. But uh, I mean, he really does it because Scorsese is a classic conservative director, and the way he his style. You know, I watched his masterclass, and. Uh, it's just he 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 has this classic way of thinking about movies, but it works so well for him. It has I mean that's his style has brought him the huge success success that he is taking these stories from the streets, and um, taking these stories and just of how people go uh, climb the highest mountain and then fall into the deepest valley. It um, that's that's how Scorsese does these things. It doesn't matter if it's Goodfellas or. Uh, when you know it's about gangsters or just taxi driver with the you know how 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 slowly De Niro just goes insane and it's it's uh it doesn't matter how uh, what like the whole premise of the movie is uh 
Scorsese does it. And, uh, and as I said, he does bring this really cinematic quality to these movies always. I think with Scorsese, it's hard to miss a Scorsese movie. It is. It is. He, you know, he he puts a lot of like his life into the movies. You know, that's what I feel like. That's what makes. Of course. That's what makes an artist great, in my opinion. You know, taking what you have from your life, your your pain, your experiences, your emotions, and putting it into your work. You know, whether it be a canvas, whether it be an instrument, whether it be a, a camera, it 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 is all about putting what you have gone through onto your can onto your canvas onto your medium. Scorsese does it brilliantly with all of his movies you know he puts like uh he does it like throughout the whole thing like a lot of these movies a lot of his movies are set in new york you know where he grew up queens you know the irishman goodfellas uh, i'm trying to think of another one wolf of wall street all of these are set in his hometown you know it's a place he knows well it's a place he can talk about well it it is like it's very you as you said i, I there's no better way to say this you can't miss a scorsese film yeah exactly because uh he just he 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 basically he just it's it's so I I can't even put it into words you know I just love it's so Scorsese it's classic it's always gonna be classic and uh, he's just you know Scorsese himself is just a little guy uh, trying to make big movies and uh, so successful at it I mean he really does bring himself into these movies and he always does it with such style it just he's he's like a little gangster he's like a little movie gangster himself. I think I think that you know among directors I think some would some could call him you know like the little little godfather of cinema and I I just love that so much about him and this movie and this movie has I think I think has re- really put him on the map uh, really put him on the map back in the day because you know taxi driver coming beforehand was was really successful but you know that's a completely different thing and uh, it's actually kind of weird to look at now that Scorsese did this more psychological uh, type of uh, type of movie and uh, then and then gained uh, much more popular popularity with Goodfellas, you know, but he has really brought out the best of De Niro throughout his career. And I think those two guys, you know, if it's if it's a De Niro Scorsese movie, it just it's just I mean, it's going to go. It's going to be good. You know, Raging Bull. Awesome. And uh, it's just these two guys together. I mean, yeah, really, De Niro. I think I think and they have t- so much respect for each other. And um, and even now in The Irishman, when De Niro is already old, Scorsese is really old, and they still they still these guys. I mean, I can imagine the set was probably so chill. You know, just these old guys hanging around, probably drinking like whiskey after filming, uh, just uh, just talking about life. Just talking about life, it was probably the coolest thing ever. Oh, uh, yeah. That's what makes crime movies so good. They're just cool. They are cool movies in essence. You know, Goodfellas is such a cool movie. You have to admit it. It's so cool. You just feel like, oh, he's such a gangster. Like, damn, that's cool. Like, if you removed all the gangster elements, yeah, it'd be a nice, you know, plot about someone changing their ways and, you know, falling out of a bad lifestyle. But, you know, the gangster part, you know, the killing, the drugs, the prison, the, it gives such a cool kind of vibe, you know? No, it does. And it's, it is kind of weird that we have put this cool label on crime movies. You know, it's like saying Pulp Fiction is the coolest movie of all time. And uh, these movies, you know, uh, Goodfellas is such a cool movie. And, you know, heist movies are such cool movies. 
it is weird that this label has sort of come around to crime movies, but I mean, it does fit there. And I have no clue what it is that makes these movies so cool. Like, it's hard to dissect. Is it is it the style? I mean, it's usually just, you know, the style these guys do things with. Because if you compare it with like, uh, I mean, I don't know, Die Hard or other action movies. I mean, those guys are like, you know, Bruce Willis is like a hero type of character usually. But these those movies aren't cool. You know, he usually, he usually saves the world or something by, you know, just barely... And, you know, it's usually rough and um, through a lot of blood and stuff. But here, these guys, they never get blood on their suits and because they're wearing suits, because they're cool. It's it's completely different. These guys still go around killing people, but it's never it's, it's never hard for them. It's usually just, you know, a matter of choice. They just put the bullet in the guy's head and that's it. And, I mean, have we romanticized this... Uh, this sort of violence or whatever, or this crime part too much, maybe. But, I mean, that's the way it is. I don't really have a problem with it. I love crime movies. I love these cool movies. Because, you know, as I said before, the only guys that are cooler than gangsters are secret agents. And, I mean, secret agents are just kind of like secret gangsters. They wear suits, they kill people uh, without a lot of hassle. And uh, it's just the gangsters ruin the world while secret agents save the world. But it's basically the same thing, you know, essentially. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I agree with that last point. But as well, I don't, I, you know, I wouldn't so much as call it romanticizing the idea of crime as much as I would call it kind of, that's not a word, uh, cool, cool, like, you know, we find breaking the law, we find outcasts, we find these type of people cool, you know, they don't conform to these ideals. So we, we perceive them as different, as cool, you know, as what we would call it. You know, that's how I feel. And I think we have romanticized it a bit, to be honest. I mean, we have, but <laughs> as I said, I mean, I don't think I don't think uh, in 2020, you know, we have all this cancel culture started to go around. But Ah, uh, I mean, it's it is movies, it's cinema. That's what cinema is about. And uh, whether you it is too much romanticized, that's up, up for you to decide. But uh, still, that's cinema. Cinema is supposed to be either cool or emotional or whatever you choose. But it, it's just uh, yeah, it's just cinema. But uh, without the just because it's cinema and cinema is cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I think of movies like this, I'm reminded, uh, I think, I think, actually, I think it was a review from this film. Um, there's this film critic, Roger, uh, Roger uh, Ebert, Ebert, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. But he said, uh, great movies usually dissipate, uh, usually dissipate like mist when you, when you leave it in the cinema. You know, and I think this movie does the exact, uh, you know, and he said, uh, yeah, he said for Goodfellas, actually, that this movie doesn't, you know, it doesn't, you know, dissipate because it's, this is a movie about real life, what it's like to be in the mob, you know, and at least kind of during the 90s, 80s, you know, New York was like going through like a gang, like gang war type things. And it, it is like movies do, you know, I feel like some movies like unrealistic type, like sci-fi dystopian type movies, they kind of uh, dissipate once you leave the cinema. Like once you're in there, you're in the mindset, you see the world like that. But then when you leave the cinema, it's just like, yeah, it was a good movie. That was a good movie. You know, this movie really just it's, it's down. It's dirty. It's gritty. It's surreal. You know, it, it is a gangster movie. It It's literally it is like Scorsese's experience put on to cinema put on to put on the screen no yeah 
thinking like maybe departing a bit from the cinematic value of it though yeah it's just in the end you walk out the theater and you think that these people you know this henry hill guy exists and these guys these gangsters have existed it's not like these were the only gangsters that existed so many gangsters have actually existed and did all these things and you know robbed millions of uh millions of dollars uh from whatever it is and kill people on the daily just because or you know punch the postman to stop delivering mail to a guy's house you know these things happened and uh, it's just it, it's so at least for me I have it's always been hard for me to as a European to wrap my head around these things that these things happen in um, I mean as a European wouldn't really count as maybe like you know as a northern European I'm used to a pretty chill pretty chill, <laughs> pretty chill lifestyle. And it's, it is the 21st century. These things happen much, much less, but, um, it, it definitely, it, it definitely probably is really interesting. I'm not saying good, but really interesting to have been around these people to see how this actually happens in real life, because it is hard. Yeah. As I said, it is hard for me to wrap my head around and actually, actually understand that these things happened. Cause like how like how do you just go around and just shoot people and without you know it that's that's the power I think the mafia has that's why Henry's so attracted to it you know they do whatever they want they don't care who they piss off they 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 follow a code of rule they're honorable kind of on you know like this old like New York style like honorable don't hurt civilians this type of thing not well not don't hurt civilians but you know don't hurt innocent people no women and children this type of like honorable respectable power you know that's what kind of drew henry in in the first place i feel like you know that's why he was so upset when he couldn't go again i get why because you know it is so much power like how do you just not have any repercussions and you just whenever whenever uh something happens you just give money to them you bribe somebody and that's it everything goes away it, it, it is crazy. And, you know, the amounts of money these people deal with or just how Jimmy, when his Jimmy is in, introduced, he just goes around handing people money. You know, he's like, just have a 20 or whatever, have a hundred. It's uh, it's it's crazy how money has a completely different, different, different meaning and value in different people's lives. And if we're talking about gangsters, you know, money is money is power. And um, yet, you know, you have. You can have just as much money as you want, but you probably still going to end up getting a bullet in your head at one point or another. That's the crazy part. That's the crazy part. I know that. How do you how do you trust these people? Like, how do you trust the people around you? I would just be living, you know, with one eye sleeping with one eye open all the time. If I was a gangster, I, I couldn't trust anyone. I would just be scared to be shot every single day, every single like, how do these people even have kids? I don't know. But, like, that's kind of, like, what Jimmy went through during the ending, you know? Well, he got paranoid, but, like, for different reasons. But he got paranoid, you know? He couldn't trust anyone. Everyone was showing off their bling, you know, talking smack, speaking about it in the open, you know? They started to like their power too much. Jimmy got scared of that. Well, that's why he whacked all of them. That's why he killed all of them. That, you know, it, you know, power comes at a price, you know? No, it doesn't. It's, it's, it is... It is so crazy to think about. It is so crazy to think about because it's just, can't, you know, the gangster lifestyle. That's just, I mean, that's that's the gangster lifestyle. And uh, I mean, wow. Good fellows. Wow. I, I there's like, there's two more subjects I want to touch on real quick. Um, did you, I, I want to talk about the freeze frames Scorsese uses during the film, you know? 
he uses freeze frames a lot quite in the beginning you know when like when when henry's learning like a lot of lessons his dad is beating him the postman getting beat there's like like he the the this the frame freezes and then we get an important life lesson as if this is where henry is evolving you know this is where he's changing and I, I just thought that was really, really cool. I just wanted to mention it. That seemed really cool to me, you know? And I, but it's, it's not just Goodfellas that mm. is this. I mean, it's all, it's all over Scorsese's movies. He just, he just, I don't, I mean, it's, uh, they, they usually come with a meaning, but in the, the meaning is what is said during that freeze frame, not just because he just likes to use them. I mean, in Wolf of Wall Street, as far as I remember, there was quite a few, and he just Irishman also he just likes voice voiceovers he likes using them as a way to pace the movie a bit differently and uh, focus on the fact that just yeah just freeze er, freeze everything and have the audience's focus on that exact thing at that exact moment you know what the what usually the voiceover is saying that nothing else matters you shouldn't be distracted by everything anything happening exactly, on the screen exactly exactly and the one last thing I want to touch on before we get to rating this movie is what was your favorite line from this movie? There are quite a few, and I know mine. I wanted to know yours. Favorite line. Well, you go first. I'll think about mine. Yeah. I say that one of my favorite lines, I kind of adhere to this now kind of a little bit. It's never the two most important things in life. Never rat on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. I don't know why that's that that line stuck with me, you know, it, you know, it's like this really horrible, degrading person showing honor and kind of loyalty towards his friends. It gave such a contradiction kind of that really made it stick to me, you know, so that's, you know, that's why you can always trust me. And I'm a very loyal person. <laughs> no, I get it. That, that's a good one. I think I think I'm a simple man. I think my favorite line is. I'm going to go get the papers, get the papers. <laughs> That's a good so, one as well. Coming from, coming from Jimmy two times. I'm sad that he wasn't a main character. I like that flick, saying everything twice. Going to go get the papers, get the papers. I like that. <laughs> I'm a simple man. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'd have to say second place for me probably wanted to be the opening line for as far back as I can remember. I've always wanted to be a gangster. That that one really. I really I really liked Ray Liotta's narrating actually. Through yeah, movie. I like his voice. Yeah, I like his voice. It's very it's, very it's nice. Kind of nice. He, it is nice. I'm sad that he didn't get a bigger career out of it. Like, cause it is it is really nice. I did. I actually like straight up liked his voice as a narrator. Oh yeah, it really like you know he really like it. it get like a like a rough New York kind of vibe, and you get like this like like kind of kind of kind of sensual ish kind of thing. You know, like he's speaking to you like this is like a normal thing. Like it's almost like you're watching the movie with him, and he's pausing it at certain points and he's telling you. This is what happened. Like, no, I can't do his voice. That's that's actually a good. That's actually a good way to put it. Yeah, that's a good way. I I I agree with that. That is a good way to put it. Yeah, that's how I felt. All right then. My favorite part. It's rating time. Rating time. <laughs> All right. Ah. Uh, uh, you want to go first? I I can go first this time. I think you go first usually. Yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna go with a straight up thirty two out of thirty five for this movie. Um, I think I, as I said, I love gangster movies a lot and, uh, I just really like the world of crime and De Niro is awesome and Joe Pesci's awesome. Ray Liotta's awesome. Scorsese's awesome. Everything's awesome. Soundtrack. Awesome. My problem with crime movies, that's 
very, very relevant at crime movies, uh, more, more so the gangster movies, is that sometimes it just, I don't want to say repetitive, but sometimes it just feel like it, it's not going anywhere. I, it feels like, it feels that some parts, you know, some parts, in some parts, you just feel like the story is sort of branching off where it shouldn't be. And it, it, it I don't know, it's something with the storyline is a bit off for me. The fact that how, yeah, some parts just either it's, it, they do have a meaning, but it's like some parts could like, could easily not be there. And uh, sometimes it feels like you're going in a loop. You know, just going around, shooting people, doing errands, do get money that, money this. I I get it that all of it's important, but sometimes I don't know. For me, it's sometimes it just feels like you know you know that this guy's just gonna die, and uh, yeah, it's unpredictable yet sometimes so predictable. Mm. I think I I can agree with you on that, and I would. Mm. Yeah, I'd have to say I was leaning between 32 and 33, but hearing your point about uh, them getting repetitive, yeah, I've gone down to a 32. It is a fantastic movie. It is a fantastic, absolutely amazing. It's one of Scorsese's best films, if not his best film. It, it's so well done. The soundtrack, the camera shots, the acting. Bellissimo, you know, as uh, the Italians would say. But, uh, you know. I would have to give it, well, a 32. And I think this concludes the fifth episode of Once Upon a Time in Newbor. Thank you all so much for sticking around and hearing me and Gustav talk about one of uh, one of the best crime movies ever. And Gustavs, why don't you tell them what uh, the next movie is? The next, the next movie we're doing is none other than, you know, I was thinking for, I knew I wanted to do Kubrick. I couldn't decide what, but I've... <laughs> I've put my foot on it, and it's going to be Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Wearing a Love the Bomb. Yes! And uh, one of my all-time favorites. I'm really excited. And as Ali said, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Uh, we hope to see you again in two weeks. Goodfellas, awesome movie. Thank you so much, guys. Peace, everyone. Peace.